Hey, hope you guys are doing well. Um, right now, it's just a tangent I'm about to really go on, which is um, something I'm known for in person. If you know me as a friend or have talked to me before, it's just something that I tend to do. So it makes sense that you get to be graced with this style of talking as well. And we'll just see if you vibe with it. But I'm really going to just hit on the top three subjects that have been the most listened to so far on this podcast which is the arranged marriages which is the most listened to besides my introduction um the one where i talk about movies and tv shows specifically um my whole opinion on remakes and i believe also how reading is like super important to me but um yeah uh when i first did the arranged marriage episode i had stated and expressed that in some ways dating it just seems so exhausting and a lot of work that it seems honestly worth it to just try and do an arranged marriage i remember like a couple times throughout my childhood or just growing up in high school or whatever my dad would just occasionally he's probably only said it like three or four times before that like hey you know i could always just post a craigslist ad and be like hey um my daughter's like 18 and um she's like really smart but she like make a really great wife and i'd always be like dad that's totally a joke and it, it was a joke it was totally a joke but it was like super funny thinking about it because i uh, well my older sister she got her first job through a craigslist ad so it's just kind of a running joke for a little while in my family and now that i'm in college and i created that video my idea was like okay you know just life in general is just gone so hard you know we all know this eggs cost like an arm and a leg gas don't even get me started i think everyone can say that gas prices are so huge right now price of living cost of living even buying a house is nearly impossible these days 50 years ago you could be living off of a fifty thousand dollar salary and be having more than twice as much material for a life than you would now which is crazy due to the inflation and the state of our economy but it just blows my mind how now that life is just it's really hard to get um a foothold on starting your own life now like my age than it was 20 30 40 50 years ago and so now not only do you have to try to have you know land a good job make good money enough that you can live on and we also have to get good sleep eat healthy exercise stay on a good sleep schedule but then you want to throw on dating on top of that and like finding a life partner and you know having a healthy relationship that ends in probably a marriage with kids like are you kidding me <laughs> it feels like being in your 20s is so hard and difficult and frustrating and yet it's supposed to be like the best years of your life which is so paradoxical if you think about it I mean this is the best we're ever gonna look my mom tells me that all the time this is the most healthy and fit we'll ever be in our lives or at the peak physical 
condition that we could possibly be. And yet the 20s are still so painful, just like you would when you had like growing pains. It's kind of the same thing that I could possibly compare it to because that's really what it is because for the first time in your life once you're 18 somehow the government sees you as a legal choice making adult and that you are legally bound to the law you're tried as an adult and you are supposed to be financially and economically supporting yourself from then on which as we all know is very very unrealistic in terms of what is actually happening once you get released out into the real world I mean I like thinking of it as like we're just these little baby guppies in a sheltered mesh part of a tank and that's only a fraction of what the actual space they're swimming in in, where the real tank is actually full of grown fish full of predators that can eat them and is a lot harder because it's just that's just how life is it's even I mean nature in general, has proven that it's so brutal. Of course, it's going to be like that for us. And we grow up and we really don't get that much prep, much preparation thanks to our, you know, education system and lack of really just curiosity to learn to sustain ourselves, you know, being financially literate. I don't think that was ever something that was on my mind as a freshman in high school. I don't think it was for really a lot of people, um, you know, maintaining stocks learning how to invest, learning how to make monies in other ways besides the conventional nine to five because there are plenty of other side hustles and investments and little jobs that you can do to make money or even putting your money somewhere that it will make more for yourself and it's not just sitting in a bank. Like there are so many skills that I wish I was curious about or I wish that I um had an interest for or someone exposed it to me earlier in life because it's just once you start getting older those things become more relevant and more important than it would be when your high school is still living with your parents and they pay for absolutely everything now you're in your 20s and you have to learn to budget you have to learn to pay for bills you have to then if you have a job you have to learn how to file for taxes and loans student loans and going to class and driving everything all of these things suddenly you're supposed to be this adult when you're not even legally allowed to rent a car you can't do that till you're 25 in most states and ages 18 through 24 are the most undefined years I mean there's not even like a term for that when I think of the 20s like when you're in your 20s I'm thinking of like mid 20s 25 26 and through 29 because you really are in your 20s because again you can't even rent a car sure you can drink at 21 and you can you know enter the lottery and you can get a tattoo and you can buy your own tobacco and marijuana etc but you still can't even rent a car. Like if I decided to take a trip with my friends, I couldn't go and rent a car. I'd have to take some other type of shuttle service. Like in the eyes of the law, there's still that one little thing that I am legally can't do. And to me, there's still so much other things that being an 18 year old to a 24 year old, there's such a huge gap in maturity it's insane the amount of transformation and change you go through in that time period I mean you can't 
I think everyone can agree that an 18 year old in maturity is an experience is a lot different than a 25 year old. I think that is pretty agreeable on and it's just true. You haven't gone out into the real world. You haven't met new people. You haven't experienced new things. And no matter how much you think you know at 18, it's really, really true. Like there's this Taylor Swift um, song from a Red album called Nothing New. And part of the lyrics is, I used to know everything at 18, but nothing at 22. And it's just so true. I mean, I remember at 18, my senior year, my summer before high school, I basically kind of had a a little bit of a mental anxiety freak show a little bit, just kind of like worried, thinking like, what if I don't mature from when I get to college? Like, What if I don't grow? What if I don't learn? What if I just like stay the same as an 18 year old? And now it's been three years and I'm in my senior year and I'm looking back at that memory and it's actually really cute thinking that I wasn't going to grow any more than I have at that time when I was only 18. It's like when you like look at like a cute puppy first learning how to walk and it just keeps stumbling all the time like and you're like oh my god that's so cute like little does it know it's gonna get it you know and that's kind of what I think of that's exactly really the mentality I go in when I think of this memory of myself because I truly was having in like an existential crisis in a way thinking like oh my gosh like what if I'm not like gonna be more better as a person like with my family or as a student or you know as a friend what if I don't make any friends um what if I have a hard time and all these worries were just swimming through my mind and it also didn't help that the pandemic was around I guess because it just encouraged my introverted personality which is there most of like as much as I am extroverted and I do talk to people and I like to have conversations and make new friends I also do love to stay inside my house and do what I want and watch tv and read and do all these little like closed off um anti-social activities like I don't go to the bars I don't really like to go out don't go to parties and I enjoy staying at home so the pandemic lockdown did not help um obviously pushed me out of my shell it really just encouraged that behavior in me so of course it makes sense looking back that I felt these ways about myself and where I was in my journey for like I guess self-improvement and it's crazy to think how much I have grown since then just the things I have learned about myself about others about the world and the experiences meeting new people getting out and dating for the first time, getting into relationships, getting to be in a sorority, um, joining a dance company. All of these things made me also exposed to different people, people that were different from me, but also a lot of people that were similar to me and didn't make me feel so isolated in my own life experiences. And I got to connect with people like that. And that was incredible. And... I just remember thinking that I couldn't change and I couldn't grow and I love how I was proven wrong and I do still have so much to learn and still have so much to grow from and heal from and discover and it's like the world's crazy like that 
And the whole idea with when I made that arranged marriages video is like, wouldn't it be so nice if I didn't have to worry about love like in my life? It would just already be packaged for me. I didn't have to do any work. I didn't have to like really spend too much time or energy investing into someone. It was just like, you know, you buy something on Amazon, comes to your front door and you don't have to really worry about it because it's already there. That type of thing. It's like if I'm a pre-med student and I'm going to be investing decades of education going to school for my career to me it just sounded so overwhelming to even have to think about trying to even find a husband and getting married while still being a student and having to worry about that while also being having exceptional stellar grades and keeping a well-rounded resume and being active you know, competitive applicant. And I just remember thinking like, wouldn't that be so nice if I just like already was married to someone and then like, I didn't have to worry about it. Like they would just be there. When I went through my career, I just knew I already had to factor them in because, you know, well, we're legally married. It just felt like logical. And I was just thinking, wow, wouldn't it be so nice if that was just set if that was already figured out because there's already so many other factors in life that need to be maintained in order for me to have a good life and for me to maintain a good state of being well mentally and physically and setting myself up for my career that you know love can just you know it can can grow you know people can grow and arrange marriages and I was like you know what like for as long as I can like history human history Marriages never was about love. It was always about arrangements. It was always a business arrangement. I mean, heck, even like Mary and Joseph, they didn't get married because of love. They got married because it was arranged. That's how it was. I mean, even back in pre-Jesus times, it was it was all about what could you offer me and what can I offer you and how can this be the most advantageous to the both of us. And love wasn't as still a really new concept that really didn't develop until the past 100 years and I just thought I wonder if I'm the only person who thought that and you know then I talked about it on here and now I'm pretty sure it's like the second most listened to episode on here and it's interesting coming back to this episode after being in a relationship and then being dumped and having my views change for that period of time and now I'm back kind of to square one in that sense and not gonna lie guys I still really haven't changed my opinion it just doesn't seem like a bad idea like if they're if you're attracted to them and they have all the quality that you're looking for you could try and make it work like okay cool and you don't even have to get married like right on the spot you could just be like oh I am arranged to marry this person. There, that's it. And if it works, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And maybe I guess that's just like committed dating. But at the same sense, it's not. Because arranged marriages means you are going to get married. It's just not going to happen like right now. And um, I don't know. Just the thought of convenience for it just was an appeal (laughs) for me. And that, I think, is one of the things that I thought was cool about it. And then with my other most listened to video, which is where I was talking about movies, specifically remakes, I really just wanted to talk about how 
specifically Disney just needs to chill on their remakes, okay? And continuations of um, already popular movie ideas that they came up with. I mean, they're working on a Toy Story 5, I'm pretty sure. Like, come on, are you serious? Like, it's just, there. It, that idea, that story was created, it was what, I think it was like one of the first animated movies, right? I think for like Disney or something like that. And I just think it's just, what does that say about their company that they can't and haven't really come up with anything super original that like captured the internet and the world? Arguably, I don't think since Tangled and Frozen. Those were the like last two movies that I have rewatched over and over again and have locked in as like classics and they will be rewatched besides like Princess and the Frog. But like those movies were like to me the last original ideas that has came out of Disney. Disney has went on to make Frozen 2 and they're going on to make Frozen 3 next year. And it's just sad to think that Disney, Walt Disney, started this company and came out with all these beautiful stories, Snow White and Cinderella, Pocahontas, Sleeping Beauty, Mulan, all of these beautiful stories. And it's just now they're just so stuck on making money it feels like that they're just trying to churn out what was already good and thinking oh we don't have to make any more new things because we've already made it and it just seems really irresponsible in terms of like you got there because of originality I don't think that you should stop being original just because you are so big of a conglomerate as you are now I don't think that gives you a right to just basically be like to me a long manufacturing company of content which for the past 10 years has not been very great like it hasn't really pierced my heart in terms of memory and impact and what it makes you feel because that's what a movie does is supposed to entertain you to an extent and like at first when Disney started doing their live action remakes they were great I mean I bought Beauty and the Beast because of how moved I was. I mean, I remember crying forevermore. And the song that they added, which was um, How Does a Moment Last Forever, those two songs brought me to tears. And the story, they enhanced it, like adding like, why were they forgotten? They said that the Enchantress cursed the people, so they were forgotten about in the castle. Like, they filled in the holes that the original Beauty and the Beast did not address. So it really just filled in those story, those plot holes that um, needed to be filled. And it made it a more fuller story. I mean, you got to see why Belle didn't have a mother. You got to see um, the development of their of the Beast and her relationship. And, like, why they got closer, not just because it was, like, Stockholm syndrome you know it's like she actually saw that he was more human if she just looked past his physical appearance more and then they came out with Aladdin and that was a huge success and like I remember 
you know, of course there was pushback with Will Smith being the genie, but I mean, like, who could possibly fill Robin Williams' shoes? I mean, he has impossibly huge shoes to fill. But in my opinion, it turned out to be a smashing success as well. The girl who played Jasmine was one of the actresses in another Disney um, movie, a Disney Channel movie, called Lemonade Mouth, which was a a very, very popular movie for me growing up in childhood. Like, when it would come on, I loved listening to it. It was also, like, a movie soundtrack movie. It had its own songs written into it, and Aladdin was great. I thought it was a wonderful um, reimagination of the original movie, and it gave it a little bit more flair and a little bit more personality. We got to see a little bit more of Jasmine. I did love how they gave her one of her own songs, that was saying, you know, being a stronger woman and like you don't need a man in order to define who you are, success and power and all those things. I loved that. I forgot the name of the song, but they added on to that as well. And then, I mean, some people would argue Cinderella, the live action for that was also good. Um, I just think Cinderella has been overdone so much, so that's why I'm not going to really talk about it on here. But after those movies, I really feel like they totally have just missed the ball on all of their live actions, Disney's. Mulan was, they took out like all the comedy and all the wholesome feelings that made everyone fall in love with Mulan in the first place. And we're just trying to make it more historically accurate. Like they were a part of the History Channel. I just thought that was like super weird like they took a really dark and serious turn I'm pretty sure it wasn't even PG I think they made it a PG-13 movie just because of like how so close they wanted to be to the actual time period that Mulan was supposedly growing up in that the story took place and it just they took away the magic of what Disney is I mean Disney was created to bring joy and happiness and smiles and laughter and hope and like that that didn't shine through with the remake with Mulan they really wanted to dig into the technical side and um I think they really dropped the ball on that and then with the little mermaid um well she didn't have red hair she had copper ish red hair and she wasn't the she wasn't Ariel she just wasn't and um I think that everyone's trying so hard to be inclusive that they don't even realize that they're being racist towards whites now. And I'm an Asian person saying this, an Asian girl saying this, that like, if you want to be equal, you can't just include everyone that hasn't ever been included in recent years and just exclude everyone else that has been represented in early Disney years. If Disney, if Ariel was white and had red hair, I don't think it's a crime to put the main character live action as a girl of pale white skin and red hair. Because that means you're just paying tribute to what the original movie is. And you're, I mean, the only reason you're even making a live action is because the original animated one was so successful. Or you're just trying to grab in a new generation of audiences who really are not even getting the full quality that you did produce when you made the original Little Mermaid. Because first and foremost, Disney is a service. It, they provide entertainment. And to me, their entertainment hasn't been going up to par with what it used to be. And that is one of the things that I talked about in that individual episode. And I just wanted to go into further depth with it because um, since it's been a couple 
It's been a year or so since I released that episode and I've gathered new thoughts on it, new perspectives and just wanted, had more things to say. And I just think it's just so sad that like Disney has came up with such amazing things in their past. What is their excuse for not producing things like this now in the present? Because they're just, I mean, I can probably say the most people my age probably subscribe to Disney Plus just for the stuff in the past. And I will tell you right now that everything, that every single show that I thought was worth rewatching again, I had already bought on like Amazon Prime years before Disney ever came out with their own streaming platform. And today, I don't even think, in my opinion, that they are living up to what it means to even have a streaming service. I mean, there are plenty of streaming services we can call out, like Netflix, some of the, I mean, they have a lot of older content that's not even relatable or engaging people of my age. And their Netflix movies are hit and miss. Their Netflix series seem to do a little bit better than their movies. And they've been doing this, I'm pretty sure, I think it's been like almost six, seven years since they came up with their first, you know, Netflix produced things. It's just content and quality is so drastically diminished since the internet and the creation of streaming platforms and all these things came out that it's just disappointing to a consumer because to me, it's like you are these huge mega companies that are worth multi-billion dollars and your chain is connected to this. I mean, Disney owns CNN. They own marvel they own star wars like they ate up all of these different mini market marketing movie producers that it, i mean like it's just like they're a monster they're huge and they've collected all these companies and it just like it's almost as if they keep collecting all this power and they're not realizing that all that does come with responsibility i totally just quoted spider-man but just because I say these things about Disney and their remakes does not mean I don't love Disney. In fact, I'm a huge Marvel nerd. I love Disney. I just am not going to watch anything new that comes out from them because I know that they can do better. But they haven't been doing better. They have been piggybacking off of all of their older success, success that they've bought from other companies, I mean, they bought the Star Wars franchise and they came out with newer movies that they ended up placing in the timeline of before the original three and after the original three. And they have just gotten worse over the years from fans that I've heard of. And same thing goes for Marvel. I mean, I don't know what's happening right over there right now. I mean, they're coming out with the Miss Marvel's movie and... Captain Marvel, I'm already kind of annoyed at her because she's just so freaking arrogant. Like, she thinks, oh, I can do everything by myself. Everyone's not as powerful as me. I'm so awesome. It's like, okay, girl, if you were so powerful, then uh, where were you during, um, you know, during the Infinity Wars with, it? with Thanos? Like, that's like, you know, we could have needed you if you think you're that great. And her response was like, well, you know, there are other planets that exist besides yours. It's like, um... This deals with the entire universe. So actually, you would be helping all the other planets. So lady, just be quiet. I mean, her character is just exceedingly obnoxious. And 
almost every no every single person that I've talked to about Captain Marvel agrees with me that she is just the most annoying biatch ever and apparently from also people that read comics that I know she's like that as well in the comics so I mean I just don't plan on watching anything from Disney until they get their act together just because it's not worth my time my money and my time are precious the money that I make is precious and shouldn't be wasted on things that I that are not truly worth it in my opinion okay and that to me is going to be spent somewhere else or not subscribing to their countless things that I'm not even really going to watch. And then the third thing I talked about was reading. I love reading. I absolutely love reading. I've loved it since I was a little girl. First learned how to read. I was an avid reader, very fast reader, and sped through books pretty quickly. I remember the allowance that I used to get when I was a child. I would save it up and then I'd go to Barnes and Noble and like buy just a ton of books and it was like my favorite part I loved going to Barnes and Noble growing up we had a really big one um where I lived and like that like this you know of course most of them have you know those escalator staircases and whatever but the children's section was just super cool to me they had this little nook with the sitting library and they're like people who'd come in and read their books and they'd have like little things you can do and I just loved reading And one of my other things that I talked about on here on a separate episode was about reading and how much I love it because which also ties into what I think is the lack of quality content that is being produced. And I was like, well, you know, I still want to be entertained, but if it's not going to be through visual media content, such as TVs or movies, books, that is super reliable. Books have been around for as long as almost as long as man has been around almost plenty of stories and knowledge has been attained by countless human beings before us and will continue to be accruing obtained many years after we're all long gone so I think the second most reliable option for entertainment that doesn't involve internet is books and there are plenty plenty of books to read plenty of genres infinite authors infinite story plots There really is no limit to the amount of stories that have been published and you could find in a library. And I think that's so cool. And most of the successful movies are based off of a book. Mean Girls, uh, Star Wars, I believe, Hunger Games, Divergent, Maze Runner. I can go on. Oh, The Notebook, all of the Nicholas Sparks novels were pretty much have been made into movies. I mean, there are plenty of good movies that have came from books and a lot of TV shows that have been based off of books as well. So, and then if you look at it, a lot of the times the movies and shows that I do like are based off of books. Oh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter, how could I forget about Harry Potter? And J.K. Rowling literally wrote the books while she had a, in a cafe with a baby sitting on her lap. And she created this whole entire world that we all know and love. And now is being turned into a show, which who knows how that's going to turn out based on, you know, like political things and how they're going to cast people. But reading is also amazing. And I think that it's really cool. And it's underrated. 
and it's not a lost art to say, but people don't prioritize it as something to do, as a hobby, or something in order to like spend time doing more than it used to in its past. So yeah, I just wanted to cover the three topics, like the most listened to topics into one one episode here, and hopefully you enjoyed it, and I'll catch you guys in the next one.